Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everybody. And Mike McPeak. Hi. And after a bout of illness, <laughs> uh, we're, I'm at least back on track. <laughs> I kind of was the hang-up. So, um, we're episode, all attacked by life. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, travel and then con crud laid me down for two weeks. I mean, good grief, there's three right there, so I'm sorry. But we are so happy to be recording again, uh, episode 188, and we're going to be talking about the 2016 movie Arrival. Uh, the quick summary, and I do mean very quick summary, is that when 12 mysterious spacecrafts appear around the world, linguistics professor Louise Banks is tasked with interpreting the language of the apparent alien visitors. That is exactly it in one sentence, yes. but boy, does that not tell you anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we might as well say upfront spoilers. Um because there's no way you can discuss this without, you know, completely spoiling it rotten here. Yeah. Uh, and this and this is one of those movies I got to the end and went, hmm, I better watch this again because now it'll make more sense the second time yeah. through. You kind of get the punchline then. So so did it make more sense the second time? A little bit. Because okay. the stuff at the beginning starts to make a little more sense. So we, we might as well give away the punchline the way here. This, it's a nonlinear story, uh, storytelling. Uh, so you're seeing the whole story basically at once. What you think is uh, the stuff leading up to her story is actually the stuff leading away from her story. Yeah. Um, and so, and, you know, I, was little, I thought she was motivated by you know, what had happened. But no, it's actually these events, like say, motivate her. She knows what's going to happen to her child, and yet she goes ahead and does it anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. Yep, that was it. Spoiler right there. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched the movie, you know, okay, you know, I, it's it, on you. I'm just going to put this out there right away because it's not quite as good as Europa Report, but it was getting there. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yep. I'm, I'm so glad you liked it. Yep, yeah. it was getting there. It's 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 still not quite as as good as that, but it, this was one where. The imagining of how aliens would communicate and how we would interact with that and our human tendencies and global tensions and all this bullshit. Um, I I ate this one up left, right, and center. I just yeah. – this like, was amazing. Not, not to take anything away from Star Trek, but like Star Trek because it's been a TV show for so long and everything. Like they're, Star Trek is hobbled by the fact that they – they have, you know, for a TV show, they have a tighter budget. And as a result, you get the, the the average aliens that we get exposed to with Star Trek are weird heads and weird hands yeah. for the most part. They're and they, other than that, they're bipedal. They're bipedally symmetrical, you know, exactly. Whereas this was is kind of like. We'll just take every animal creature we can think of. We'll spin the dial on different parts, and then that's what it's going to look like. And like, the aliens are like giant squids. Yeah, let's so, just start with yeah. that. Let's just start with <laughs> the aliens themselves. Um, like you say, they were alien. They were um, looking like octopus with you know seven tentacles, not eight. 
Um, but they weren't tentacles. They were just like arms, not with like hands or anything. But um, but they also had a different environment, an atmosphere that we could not enter and they could not enter ours. Yet they knew so much about us. They were able to, first off, they could control gravity. Um, <laughs> they could have gravity be sideways on their ship or, you know, it just was, wasn't just that they could do artificial gravity. They could just make gravity go whichever way they wanted it to. Um, that was pretty amazing as a concept. Uh, and a lot of this thing, the, what I really got intrigued by was just the whole concept. I mean, the the imaginations uh, that to come up with some of the stuff, and and the prime example is the aliens' language. I mean, just the the whole. How do you imagine that stuff? And I will say that I did go back and read, and there were just a crap ton of specialists that uh, uh, were called upon to help with this movie. Um, For sure. Yeah, there were, I mean, there are linguistics experts behind the stuff that you saw on screen. So that is what, that's when I really start getting, you know, excited. Before we get away from the aliens themselves, I just want to say, like, we've, when we started the podcast, we would talk about technology and then we haven't done it in a while, but we would talk about, you know, how realis- realistic we think it is. Yep. And we don't always do that as much anymore. But I think with these aliens, even though they're not, you know, tech per se, I think this is one of the most realistic uh, possibilities of an alien. Uh, again, because we're so, you know, we look in the mirror like, you know, the, the only kind of uh, – I hate to say intelligent because like, you know, the more we look into animals, the more we see intelligence in other animals and stuff like that. But the, like the self-aware consciousness, like the, the kind of other alien that would, that has the potential to make a spaceship. Um, I think that this is a really, who knows about accuracy, but it's a possibility. Yeah. It's alien. It's alien. It's alien. And, like uh, another planet where life evolves, where you know it, it's different than ours, it's very likely that they would be wildly different. Right. A lot of ways. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. I, I mean, and to me, that's one of the things that I just find intriguing about this: the aliens, and to a large extent, can I go so far to say everything in the movie? Yeah is believable not to yeah. the point where i expect sh- spaceships to start landing next week but if they did this yeah. could be how it went down both from the aliens perspective and from the humans reaction perspective i mean i, I really thought it was like a, if some somebody just you know that whole first entree what if aliens came and we had to learn to communicate with them. What would happen then? And then that this movie explored that in a really excellent way. Yeah. Like when I finished, I saw this movie in the theater and I went with a, with a friend of mine. Uh, I, I knew from the trailer, this was not the kind of movie that my wife would especially appreciate. So I went with a friend of mine, and as soon as it ended, he and I looked at each other and just kind of like, holy crap. And my first comment to him was like, how did they ever get anybody to greenlight 
this movie. Right. Because I would imagine if you wrote the synopsis for this and went to a studio head and the budget was $47 million. Like, I don't know how you could go with this plot to a movie studio and say, yeah, give me $50 million to make a movie that is very, a very, very difficult concept to wrap your head around, right? Right, yep. And there's no laser beams or stuff like that. Like, this isn't, on paper to me, this doesn't seem to be a really sexy movie, but man, it is one of the best science fiction movies I've ever seen. One of the best movies, period, I think I've ever seen. Yep. And the the thing I kind of liked about this movie was I thought it was, for science fiction, a little bit more a approachable up to a point anyway for yeah. the non-sci-fi people because there's you know a human story involved yeah. there like because when you start getting into the lasers and spaceships and you know uh and all that stuff then there are a lot of people that tune out but i think that you know if if you don't mind the the aliens too much there's a human story involved there too and so i think in that respect it's approachable for a sci-fi movie yeah yeah there yeah it's yeah, it, it was described as thinking man sci-fi. It, yeah. it also was introduced at a film festival. It was premiered at a film festival, and there you go. I mean, that sets the stage for what kind of movie this is, um, and the fact that it did make money. I mean, what'd you say the budget was? Forty-five. Forty-seven million dollars, and it grossed two hundred and three. That's what it says in Wikipedia. Yeah. So bring more of this, people. Bring more. <laughs> Yeah, like I I know I've you see people talking about film and um, one of the things that they complain is like well you know they just treat the audience like they're stupid. This movie does not treat the audience like no. like they're stupid. Nope. Yeah, and uh, after after I saw the movie the first time, I read a little bit about it, and it's based on a book called The Story of Your Life by a writer whose name is Ted Chang, I believe, and. It's the core of the movie is based on a linguistics idea. Like I read a a book of short stories that he wrote where this story is part of it. And this guy's fascinated with language. I think just about every single story in, uh, in the book was about language. And this story, this, that this movie is based on is based on the idea that uh, the linguistic idea that, learning a language changes the way your brain functions. Right. So the idea is that with um, that it's not a mistake uh, that in China, which the, the Chinese of Cantonese and Mandarin, both of those are very rigid uh, languages with a lot of rules and they're very highly structured. And it's so this, this theory says that it's not a mistake that China, native Chinese speakers uh, tend to be very good at math because by learning the Chinese language to read and write it structures your brain in a way that will uh, tend to uh, assist you when you're doing math. Likewise, because the Romance languages like French and Italian uh, are so uh, flowery and creative, this theory says there's there's it's not a mistake that those romance languages have produced so many artists. Likewise, German is this glommy language where you just stick parts together. They've made really good engineers. Like so, I don't I don't think that it's it's like a done deal. If people say yeah, this is this is definitely true, 
but it's a very very interesting interesting theory and this ex- this movie extrapolates out from there that when she starts to learn the alien's language it allows her to reorganize time yeah and i'm going to hate to call it devil's advocate here but is the does the culture produce the language or the language produce the culture so you know which it's a chicken and an egg thing and there is no answer but the two go hand in hand yeah, like I think yeah. it's a yin yang thing. Yep. Like they they both kind of they're yep. entwined together, right? Yeah, I think so as well. And so you you would only get a, a language like Chinese from people who have a culture like the Chinese culture. Um, yeah. So you you get the flowery language like Italian because you have a culture like the Italians have. So I read a, uh, one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, and he had a whole chapter where he talks about that uh, uh, he believed the I guess it would be the language and the mathematics and that 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 came from the Chinese being rice farmers and not um, like uh, wheat farmers because the idea of that rice farmer is uh, rice farming is meticulous and they you know they pull out individual strands so as as a result all of the the uh, like the Chinese proverbs and stuff like that are like a man that gets up before the sun comes up every day of his life can't. Uh, will always be successful and it's all about like hard work and meticulous uh, attention to detail and stuff like that so I think that that plays into what you said of like the culture and the language and it's all wrapped up in one ball it's not just you can point to one thing right yeah yeah that's why I mean I, having learned a couple of languages I mean I, I, I fully believe even on a personal level but that learning a second language makes your brain work in a different way yeah. Um, you know, you just you get used to being a little more uh, elastic as far as how you think about things. But um, yeah, that whole intertwining of culture and environment and language is, I, I, yeah, I really do think there is something to that. So in this case, the aliens, um, their culture—I mean, their language itself—is depicted as uh, visually being a circle, um, and and there's um, a little bit of hidden meaning in that i suppose true yeah like so there's so the aliens because they don't have a a linear concept of time um they just have these circles that's like it's almost like uh they're they're sentence there's it's like a paragraph each one it's like an i a collection of ideas that just come out at the, together, right? Without yeah. any sort of sequence. You know, I, after I got done watching this, I was having a bit of a debate as to whether that language was a written language or like a, almost a kinesthetic language, like uh, American Sign Language might be, because yeah. of the way it's written and the way it's shown. And, and the answer is obviously, yes, it is a written language. You can write it down, you can record it, you can pass it from one person to another through time, through space, um, it, that would be possible. But maybe it's more like calligraphy. I'm thinking like Japanese calligraphy with, yeah. with the really big brushes. You know, not just not just you know taking ballpoint pen notes on a on a waitress's pad. I'm talking about the the actual artists where they have the big brushes and it's wide sweeping and you know you're gathering whole thoughts into. I mean, it's art, I suppose you could say. Um, and because it seemed to me that this language was more than just the ink blot that was depicted on visually. 
Well, the thing I thought of when I was watching it, because uh, like I, said, I hadn't done as much research into this, and I'm not you know into the language as much as you guys, but uh, was I thought Chinese, where you know the, the pictogram that you know certain sections meant certain things, and you know the little I know about, uh, let's just say the Oriental languages, uh, the written languages, that uh, uh, one wrong brush stroke can change the meaning of a word if it's in the wrong place or the wrong, you know, done the wrong way. And so that's what what I saw when they were doing that was like, it was like, you know, um, an advanced pictogram type uh, language where, like I say, it's, it's, it's all in a circle there. That's so interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is so interesting because, yes, like kanji, I'm familiar with Japanese, not Chinese, and kanji, which is taken from Chinese, um, they do. They take characters and combine them to make new characters that have meaning. And i got to play with that thought for a while. That's interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, and, it, and it was more than just words. It was like a thought in motion. Um yeah, like you know, sort of like stringing words together. This is more like a thought, like a visual thought, I guess you would say. Yeah, and and I my my Japanese is rusty on top of that, but I I do remember like uh, the pictograph of uh, of a woman sitting, you know, and, and it, it 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 the way I remembered it is it looked like a woman was sitting cross-legged um, under a roof, you know. So a woman under I believe that was the pictograph for happiness, the, the character for happiness. So a woman in your house equaled happiness. So, you know, so those two characters smashed together brought in a completely different mm. concept. Um, and in terms of this movie, those circles, you know, it, it didn't take them too long to recognize. I mean, because that's what you do with languages. Um, you recognize um, the, the first one of the first, like, especially going back to learning Japanese, because it, it wasn't like, I learned Spanish first. Spanish is easy. I speak English. It's the same characters. It's the same letters. Heck, it's almost the same words sometimes. Um, you just change a, a T-I-O-N at the end to a C-I-O-N, and it's the same word. Um, but having to learn the, the Japanese, well, hiragana, katakana, and, and kanji, um, those are completely different characters. And so one of the first skills was is just simply being able to recognize one character from another. I remember being on uh, traveling with a group of other Americans on the subways in Tokyo, and you know they were looking to me to figure out which stop to get off of because I could recognize one character from another. They all looked up and went, "I just I can't tell them all apart. They're just these <laughs> scribbles on the wall." You know, so so that that whole that first skill that they had to do, at least in terms of the written language, was to identify what's the same and what's different and what's important like even like if you think of english um anybody who's familiar with typefaces will know serif and sans serif typefaces so are those serifs part of the language does the word change because there's little you know tick marks at the end of the l um uh, so i mean if you didn't know that and had to try and figure that out you it would take it might take a bit to figure out that you know like a a a times roman capital t is the same as a helvetica capital t because who knows if you're not familiar with those maybe those are two completely different characters um so yeah so some of that initial just trying to figure out what's important in those images that are being you know shared 
um, that to, and what I really appreciate about this movie is nothing came easy. Um, they had to fight for all the things. It took time. Nobody woke up overnight and went, "Oh, I get it now." Um, so you know, it was it was always too slow for everybody who wanted to, you know, get this taken care of um, and figure out what was going on. Because of course, everybody's afraid. Welcome to the human race. Somebody else shows up, and what do we do? We assume they're here to 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 blast us out of existence and you know and then we're ready to blast each other out of existence to take ownership and you know and and profit from you know this new thing so um you know the the idea of having to act quickly was always in the background so i thought that was really again i, I thought this was a really good depiction of how not only the aliens might try and communicate with us, but how we would, as a people, as a human race, react to this. You know, even though, though we didn't, like, do an Independence Day and try and shoot them out of the sky or anything like that, but the whole, these things are hovering over us, it's making us nervous, you know, and, and the the current tensions that are existing geopolitically just kind of get exacerbated by that whole thing. So, yeah, nah. Well... And as I usually do when we're uh, when we podcast, I'm figuring this stuff out as we're sitting here. And so now I'm just kicking around the idea. Basically, we have two ways of doing um, written languages. Uh, you know, we're used to certain letters equal certain sounds, whereas uh, the uh, I'm just going to call them the Oriental languages. They certain uh, words uh, convey an idea. And, and so, I'm, and on top of that, the same character can be pronounced different ways and mean different things, if it's next to a different can, character. Yeah, yeah, not that it's confusing at all. But I'm thinking that's you know, I'm wondering because these creatures, you know, they see time differently than we do, so they would have their language would have to adapt to convey the idea that there is no. We think uh, you know, in terms of time, is linear, start, beginning, end. You can't go backwards. You're always going forwards. But they, they see it all, so you, their language would have to adapt to reflect that. Uh, it'd have to explain this in a way that, like, the stuff that we're used to writing, like SH means sh, and, you know, and all that other stuff. Right. Uh, it wouldn't be sounds. It would have to be their language would have to convey thoughts. Yeah, and did they have a spoken language? Did I mean... Did I don't they... think they did because they... Um, uh, At least whatever was... medium that they were in, I don't know if they were in liquid or if they were in a gas or what they were, but whatever it was was toxic to humans. So they didn't really seem to talk to say if they had any sort of speech organs or if whatever medium that they were living in, how well sound was conducted in it. So sound did not seem to play any sort of a important role. Yeah, I, I seem to remember there was some sounds at the beginning. Like just like banging Moans on the wall, to... yeah, you know. Um, but but they, you didn't get the impression that those sounds were necessarily a form of communication. You you weren't sure what they were. Yeah. You you weren't sure more like an were. attempt to get our attention. Possibly, and it's interesting that okay, like humans, us talking right now, have multiple forms of communication. We are you know podcasting, so we're relying on the spoken word. We could also, you know, um, do a, a, a blog post, and that would be the written word. 
we could actually go on screen and turn the sound off and can do everything from hold up signs and go back to the written word, or we could make faces at each other or do American Sign Language and communicate as well, you know, in different ways, but still communicate. So it's interesting to me that, I mean, I really did when they, when the aliens first started writing, shall we call it that? Um, I was trying to figure out if, if the, if it was the product, the, the the black circle things, that was actually what was important, or if it was the motions that they were doing, the the, the movement of that uh-huh. circle, that was what was right. conveying the meaning. And even that, I mean, yeah, you would have had to have sussed through that as well. Um, yeah. Like, I think I've said it on the podcast before, but like, I honestly think that one of our biggest challenges when we run into life uh, outside of our planet is would be would be to recognize another intelligence. Like we do, like it's really been in the last maybe thirty or forty years where we really are really starting to recognize the intelligence of some of uh, some other animals on the planet who we've been living with for hundreds of thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's not to say like if we met another intelligent brace somewhere maybe they communicate with like odors right right complicated odors. Well, like go back would to something that would we wouldn't even you know recognize as communication initially right yeah like uh rama where they were communicating yeah. with light yeah. you know colors colors yeah so yeah and more than just you know red yellow and green yeah. Um, so yeah yeah, these alternate like, forms of communication are fun to think about. And there, there are certain things that we do exceptionally well. Like we do, ex, uh, compared to uh, the other animals on the planet, like we do exceptionally well at pattern recognition, right? We can look at clouds and we can see shapes and stuff like that in it. Like there's a reason why we look at TVs and most of our pets of cats and dogs have no interest in them at all because they don't recognize the patterns and see the pictures that we can see because they don't their brains can't assemble the patterns to recognize it as something an organized thing right yeah it's interesting you bring up the the animals because there's been headlines recently saying that your dog understands you more than you think to the point where your dog truly does rec- I'm, and anybody who's ever tried to teach a dog knows that they that's part of how you teach a dog is you pick a word for a behavior and you know you teach them that word so a dog can identify one word from another word and know what to do um, but I, I think I think that a dog's understanding of the people that it's in regular contact with has way more to do with an emotional level of like your pet they actually have, no, are so yeah, prove that, that it's yeah. the word Oh, it is. Yeah, yep. They have to be taught it, but yeah, I mean, um, it's the actual word. Like they will recognize their names, and it's interesting too. On the flip side, um, your dog does something or barks something in a particular way, and you know what they mean. I mean, it is just short of them saying the words out loud. We have three dogs here. We have one. <laughs> Here's where we're gonna get the explicit tag. He's an old curmudgeon, and like when when he's when you're standing next to the milk bone box and you're just standing there, I mean, you literally can see that dog say "fuck you," give me one of those. <laughs> I mean, you really can. Um, 
And so it's uh, it's amazing how just interspecies communication is it's there, but it's very limited. And so when right. you talk about this alien species, I mean, that's a whole different thing. I mean, as much as we have, can't really communicate with our our pets, um, and part of that is because they're not, you know physically adaptable for making the same noise as we are so aren't neither are these aliens you know they're not going to come up and start speaking english because they don't have mouths and tongues and esophaguses either so you know um so it yeah the 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 idea of interplanetary species communication gets to be a wow type of thing i mean what is the common ground there yeah well, then we're assuming that what we saw was actually their language. Would that, because I, you know, they're approaching Earth. I assume that they're monitoring our radio transmissions, our television. And so did they adapt something? Uh, you know, they may not know how we spoke, but they saw, well, we, we do these moving things. They see moving pictures. So is this their adaptation to try their interface for communicating with us? Do you remember the golden record yeah. they sent out with V'ger? Yeah, right. With Voyager, I mean, if you and I tripped across that golden record, we wouldn't know what the hell that thing is. A frisbee. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, this interstellar communication to try and lead people back to, you know, the human race. And the human race, 99% of the human race couldn't figure out what the heck the thing is. So, you know, but they were shooting for the the idea that mathematics was the uh, universal constant throughout the the well the universe that anybody of some intelligence that would be operating on a space you know type of civilization would have to understand mathematics is that a legit assumption feels legit but we haven't run across any other yeah. species to know it yeah well like i i don't know how you could um, develop uh, like the means to build anything of note without mathematics. Yeah, I, I again, or is that just our limitation of how we understand things? Sure. Yeah, it could be. Like, yeah, maybe other um, people just intuit. There's no mathematics; yeah. they just know. Well, I, I think back to us uh, that legion. Yeah, I was going there. Yeah, yeah, those the the intelligent rafts of seaweed, right? Because those are like if you, it's kind of like the Groundhog Day thing. Like if you had millions of years for the individual to just live, like yeah, you could just get intelligent over time, right? Yeah. So if if and those the rafts, the idea was that it was just like this giant neural net that just kept. Like a, I guess they've been around for hundreds of thousands or millions of years, and just kind of developed consciousness and you know develop, and they essentially they didn't have bodies or anything, so they were they existed as complete pure thought, right? Mm. You wouldn't need mathematics for that, so yeah. yeah. But if we flip it around, like say these, once she understood their language, she was able to, you know, kind of understand time. Maybe they're uh, they're looking at us saying, "Well, why don't you guys understand time?" Maybe that's their. You know, we're thinking mathematics is yeah. the universal constant. Time is a universal constant, but yeah. we don't understand that they do. Yeah, not um, us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's an interesting take on it. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one. 
Yeah. Well, that that kind of leads into something that I put in the show notes there. The uh, I don't know if we dis- discussed it on the show, but the Fermi paradox. That's the uh, Enrico Fermi, the uh, physicist, essentially said, "Okay, well, there's billions of stars in the in the galaxy, and uh, millions of those stars have planet should have planets that are somewhat like the Earth. So, you know, out of all those things, more or less, where is everybody? Like." If if uh, there's so many stars and there's so much potential for life, we can't like it's it's not statistically likely that we're the only ones. So where is everybody else? And uh, it kind of boils back to like uh, maybe we're the oddballs, either in that uh, everybody else is communicating in a way that we haven't noticed or developed yet, and. Uh, we're not worth talking to yet. <laughs> that, I was thinking of that too with regards to the movie. I mean, we did finally establish some level of communication. Yeah. But but, at but what? Movie, look at look at why they came. They came because they needed us. Right. Yeah, and it's that's why they established contact. It's like they realized that whatever was whatever was going wrong with them they were going to need our help in, what was it, 7,000 years? Yeah, 3,000, I think. Yeah, Yeah, 3,000. Yeah. yeah, so, okay, we're going to need your help, and we're going to give you guys a little boost to get you where you're going to need to be to help us in 3,000 years. Right. So, like, they didn't come here just to, like, oh, here's somebody worth talking to. Right. It was like they'd obviously seen us and needed help for some reason, and, like, yeah, these guys can help us out if we give them the, a boost. Yeah, and but our level of communication had to be like infantile. I mean, yeah. it, it just had to be. You know, we we understood they they were they were debating even the meaning of the, some of the words. Um, I think one of the phrases was "offer weapon," and of course that was open for interpretation as far as use weapon. But then weapon could mean tool, so they're going to offer a tool or use a tool. I mean, you know, so um, this whole business of the, I mean, anybody who's tried to uh, translate from one language to another, if you've ever tried, Google Translate's gotten a lot better, but it, at the beginning, you can't, you cannot put one word of one language next to another word of another language and always translate them the same way, because it's ridiculous when you try to do that. Read some of those yeah. Chinese signs that have been yeah. translated that are just hilarious. Did you see the thing that uh, with Google Translate in the last couple of weeks about how it's a uh, gender, um, uh, the gender bias for it? Um, they took they took a genderless language. I think it was I think it was Turkish. Yeah. And they they took the phrase, uh, "She is a doctor and he is a babysitter," and they translated it into Turkish, which again is a genderless language. So it was just like became. The Turkish equivalent of this person is a babysitter and this person is a doctor. And then they translated that phrase from Turkish back to English and it had changed it to he is a doctor and she is a babysitter. Ah. So they were making the point that, okay, uh, Google Translate itself has a gender bias to assume that certain uh, professions or jobs or whatever are Because it learned from humans. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but even even just words, uh, because a lot of it's it's Dharmak and Jalada Tanagra. 
Um, yeah. We we say things, you know, like offer tool. You know, what does that mean? I'm I'm offering you my tool. Does that mean that you can't fix it yourself? You need my stuff. You know, does it mean you know? Um, it's a, it's I'm giving this tool to you, or I'm just letting you use it. You know what's the difference there? And and does is the fact that you're offering me a tool mean that my stuff's broken? You know, I mean, what does that mean? You know, there's yeah. always another meaning behind anything you say. There was um, another thing at the start of the movie where she said uh, there was a word in some uh, uh, some language that she said what is, what does this word mean? And the one uh, guy said, it means war. And she says, no, it means not enough goats or not enough yeah. sheep or something. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's just okay, let's very just, interesting. Let's just go with that one because that was one of the things that um, the, at the very beginning, that's how she got the job. She, yeah. she get, It was like, ask this person what this word in this language means. And and she came back as they were picking her up to go, you know, meet the aliens. They said, uh, and they had rejected the other guy. She had asked him, he says, what did he say? And he said, he said it means war. And they said, well, what do you say it means? It means, you know, we need to get more goats or whatever. Um, yeah. And that was a precursor to everything else that was going on in the show. That is why they picked her and that is why they picked the right person. Because everybody else involved with all the other countries, we have not yet said, there were 12 spaceships that showed up, and they were scattered around the globe, and for the most part, sparsely populated areas, but, you know, in all of the fun countries that you'd want to get involved, you know, like China and the U.S. and Russia and all those things. Um, so everybody was bringing this whole, you know, tension, the, this... Um, it must be a conflict. We have to defend ourselves. They're here to take things, um, not offer things, not just observe, you know, this paranoia, I suppose you'd call it. Um, the fact that she was the only one that said, you know, no, it's not about war. It's about, you know, solving a problem, basically, um, right. is why she was chosen to be the one to kind of lead the the linguistics efforts one thing we haven't talked about yet is the military uh, presence here um, this whole thing at least in the u.s um, was remember it was shown to be montana and i know they filmed it in montreal or near, outside of montreal but i'm like yeah i can totally see that happening in montana um, <laughs> but um, the military uh, as you would expect I guess would be the first people on the scene and take control of the scene and control the scene. So the 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 efforts were led by, controlled by the military, um defended by the military even. Um so that was an interesting layer of paranoia to have to work within to get this, you know, translation this friendship shall we call it can we call it that friendship established um before we blew them up or you know blew us up on the, on the flip side of that could we have blown them up i mean because there was the one time where they tried to sabotage the ship yeah. and the alien said yeah we're not that stupid you know poof here rescue these people poof knock off those guys poof we survived the explosion you know so i don't know if we could have done much damage to the aliens had we tried i'm just really glad that we hadn't tried 
Yeah, but didn't they say one of them was uh, uh, in death process? When they shut off the explosives in there, yeah. uh, they said, yes. where was Costello? Yes, we uh, did have, we did manage to hurt one of the aliens, yep, I believe well, so. We're, well, we're, well, yeah, we're assuming, but, you know, he could have maybe been in death process when he got here. They didn't elaborate, but we're assuming it was the explosion, I guess. We're jumping to that conclusion. Actually, but. I got to think about that. I don't think I did jump to that conclusion when I was watching that. The, you mean that there was the explosion? Yeah, that the explosion is the one that "quote unquote" killed Costello. Oh, and, oh, I think I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that was my impression. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, but you know, I guess I was just so enamored know, with the idea that they were going to show the you know the f- fact that an alien was dying, you know, as opposed to but, dead. But I didn't get the impression necessarily that they were taken by surprise by the attack. Like, I. I got the impression that it was very possible that Costello could have just d- decided to allow himself to be injured in this way. Okay, let's okay parallel there. Costello knew it was coming, went ahead with it anyway. Yes. Possibly. Who yeah. does that sound like? Shall oh, we say the, uh, the you know the uh, um, oh the Louise the Banks? Husband. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. all of all of her. Seeing yeah. of time oh, yeah. led her to know what was yeah. going to go on, and she did it yes. anyway, even knowing she was going to be hurt and other people were going yeah. to also be hurt, I guess. So there's a commonality we had with the aliens right there. Oh, my God, we oh. shared humanity. But, like, ultimately, we all do that because, like... Because we're, we're humans. We're, oh. Yeah, and life is a terminal disease. Like we are all eventually headed in the same direction, but we're but not aliens. We yeah, but 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 at the same time, we don't say, "Well, I'm going to die, so I might as well. Ju- I'm going to die someday, so I might as well be today and just lay down and <laughs> go." Right. So, yeah, like kind of, it, it's 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 what you do with the time you have, sort of thing. And if if. Uh, if they saw their whole life as something that was occurring, every moment was occurring simultaneously, then the end doesn't matter when it comes, right? Possibly, yeah. But well, but to some extent, I'm, I'm taking it as this, the whole self-sacrifice thing, you know, the yeah. whole, I'm going to do this because I know it needs to be done, even though people are going to get hurt, but it's going to make things better in the bigger sense? Well, and we're assuming that it's a foregone conclusion. Is it possible that this is a likely scenario and they go ahead with it anyway, but do they, I don't know that, do they absolutely know that? That's the time travel paradox. Yeah, it is, basically. Can you change time? Can you change the past, the future, whatever? Or is it just Uh, what it is? And then they throw that into the middle there because she uh, thinks forward, for lack of a better term, to afterwards when she's meeting with the Chinese general. And he tells her what she needs to say to him in the past, so to speak, or in the present, to get him to stop attacking the ship to bring world peace and bring the countries together. The movie does not tell you what that phrase is, but... Look yes. it up online because it is perfect. I saw that. Yeah, the yeah. phrase that is whispered that the the general, the Chinese general's wife, tells him that 
the linguistics, you know, Louise Banks knows um, and, and phones him and, and lets him know. And the phrase is, in war there are no winners, only widows. I'm like, wow! I wish they. I mean, it was a it was a director's choice or somebody's choice to not translate that or mention it or subtitle it or anything, and just leave it. But damn, that should have been included because that was a powerful line that should have been evident. Should have been not necessarily hit you between the eyes, but it should have been not something you had to look up. You know, a week later. To try and right. figure out what it was, yeah. What did you think of their ships, the alien ships? Very unique. It was just as unique as every other part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> well, I'm looking at it and I'm th- I'm seeing half a coffee bean, and now I want coffee. It reminds. Um, it kind of reminds me of a little bit of a flattened out uh, the bean in um, Chicago. Um, oh, yeah. That, that oh, yeah. big shiny thing there. Um, but... Well, coming up to Christmas time, it reminds me of the, uh, you know, those uh, chocolate oranges where you smack them and you take oh. the slices off? Yeah. I kind of wondered, I don't think it's, it's not like it's one twelfth, but I wondered if the uh, ships were supposed to fit together to make a circle, to make a, uh, like a... Oh, travel as, travel as a unit, and then they separate yeah. upon that's, arrival. That's an interesting th- thought, because that that played into the messages as well. There was a thought that was raised there, and I'm not sure I know the answer, uh, that each of the 12 had a bit of the message, and you would have to take all of the messages from the... matter of fact, I do know the answer. All of the messages from the 12 to get the full message. Yeah, and that was the case because it was only after she whispered that in war there are no winners, winners only widows that the Chinese came back online, shared their information, and when all twelve shared their information, they were able to solve the problem. So that too was one of the messages um, behind the show. So, yeah, the idea that those ships were intertwined and um, kind of worked—I never thought about them like merging back together as one ship but i don't know why they wouldn't i mean that makes a lot of sense because they were that kind of shape yeah interesting see that's what i love about this movie you we have sat here with no answers only questions and (laughs) things to ponder and think about and wrap our brains around and it's just ah i love stuff like that i i used to do this thing a long time ago where i I would kind of rate movies by the amount that I thought about them afterward. Cause yeah. you know, there's some movies you see them in the theater and they're like, you walk, you pretty much by the time you're walking through the doors on your way out, you're like, you know, what was that movie about? Like, it's just kind of right. you know, meaningless. Whereas a movie like this, man, you think about this stuff for a long time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This one, this is one that even it's been well we've been trying to record this episode for 3 weeks so it's been about a month since i've seen it and i have to admit there's i bet you i've thought about this thing at least and i mean like not just briefly went hmm wonder about no i mean like thought about this thing about 10 times since then so well i'm still trying to wrap my head around the you know the time i don't want to say time travel but the time thinking aspect of it and like i say um she like I say, she knows what the outcome is going to be of her child. You know, and they don't say, does she have the option of changing that or 
she knows about it. Could she have changed it if she wanted to, or is is it a foregone uh, conclusion that you you know what the path is? You just have to follow it. And you know, like I say, they don't spell it out, but I mean, you you wonder about that. I I'm going to be of the opinion that that I I guess I am of the opinion that. Um, you can't change the past. It, it happened. It happened. So, or the future, um, because you are in the future. So whatever you do is already there, whatever. Um, so, I think the fact that she saw those things meant that she, her personality, her makeup was going to be the type of person that would make that choice to go ahead, even knowing that. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, if a, a a different person who would get that information and make a different choice would not be the one to get that information, you know the, that that choice would have broken that, and so you know, yeah. Well, they said they to un, you understand language, you understand time. So, uh, you know, for some reason, the uh, with great. Uh, uh, was it great opportunities comes great responsibilities or something like that? that? You know, so if you understand it, you understand what the consequences are, and then you go forward with the. I can't put it in the in the words what I'm thinking. Yeah. Maybe I need to draw a picture. That's um, it, a big circle with a bunch of blobs on it. You know. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, I had another thought too, and it went away. Um, maybe I'll find it in the future. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Speaking of blobs of thoughts on it, we were talking earlier about, uh, I mentioned that one of the things I liked was the fact that they had to work hard to solve this, to crack this. It didn't just, you know, magically appear. Except when that, um, when the explosion happened, there was this big message with, like, tons of words. They just, they, like, blurted out a lot of things. And that huge, massive quantity of language that... Um, came all at once allowed them to find the commonality and, and essentially it was the Rosetta Stone of the language that they finally were able to identify words and meanings and that type of thing so that that um, that whole business of of knowing you know to your thing with time that having to take that time to get there. Um, if that had happened right away, I don't know if it had been as effective. They had to do those things to get there. So, I mean, that's kind of my take on, on you know, those ideas where somebody comes back and gives you that extra piece of information. Well, whether you act on it or don't act on it, I mean, you're acting on it. So, <laughs> you know, it's, sometimes it's just that, that um, time uh, it that you think about it is all that is required for things to play out that they do hey, remember i mean like this is this this movie as much as this movie deals with time and the idea that language can shape your the way you think about things and eventually you know you can see the future see the past that kind of stuff that's almost the b plot i mean it's 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 there, but it's not the big story. The bigger story is this whole how do you communicate with aliens type thing. Um, the fact that once you learn to communicate with aliens, you see time in a different manner. 
is a subplot compared to just the whole how do you communicate with aliens? Well, yeah, and, and I'm sitting here thinking too, even in terms of you have visual learners and you have verbal learners. Yep. Um, and that's all how you perceive things. Uh, and so now I'm injecting that into here and trying to figure out, okay, now I'm just starting to get a headache. See, well, that's see, that's where I kept going around yeah. right after I watched this. I'm like, okay, we are assuming it is those black blobs that are the, the written language. Again, is it? And those b- black blobs were not static. They like, you know, they were like uh, ghosts. They were, you know, they were, they shimmered and moved. I mean, they just, you know. They, they were like thoughts. Yeah, they, if, they were. If, if you have a thought, I mean, it's not usually a static image. It's usually like you're looking at something, and but as you think about it, it kind of changes and adapts as you think more about it. And I think that's what we saw was just kind of a visual thought. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of a rendition of what's going on in their head. Maybe that's the only way they could get what's in their head into something that we could comprehend. But for for language, there's so much that we just take for granted because everybody we ever talk to is another human being, right? Well, just just the fact that uh, I don't think they determined if these things even had genders. So just just to have like we have gender free languages, but like just imagine trying to talk to somebody that doesn't even get a handle on what a gender is, right? If they're all the same and just produce somehow a reproduce asexually and like just you well, follow that down like just how that would change your your thought process right, right? it's almost like Native Americans who had no concept no. of land ownership yeah you know none which you goes can't. back to the to their language that they didn't have personal pronouns so right. if you don't have a language where you can say I or me. That's going to lead you down a path where you don't really think about owning anything as an individual because you're not really thinking of yourself so much as an individual as you're thinking of yourself as a member of a bigger group. Right. So when the yeah. so when the Europeans show up and say, you know, do you have a flag? No, no flag, no country. It's ours. You know. Um, yeah. So you know, so sign here, please. Yeah, basically. And so they're like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. Land's the land. It's just here. You know, you guys do what you want. We're going to do what I want. You know, we're going to cross your land because it's land. Nobody can own land. Um, you know, so that whole... Never run out of it. Yeah, that whole complete not understanding, you know, the, the concept. Um, I mean, you don't have to go to alien species to find examples of that. Where you know just a concept that does not exist in one language or one culture, um, bumping up against another culture that has words and and ideas around something that uh, that just doesn't end well. I mean, and some it doesn't matter you know which side. There's two sides of that, and and you know somebody's it just doesn't end well. Um, so yeah, there's this whole idea of alien communication. You know ah. Again, what I really, really appreciate about this movie, it wasn't just some nonsense techno babble stuff. They did it. They did it right. They they yeah. got the experts in. They got the process down. They 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 understood how how to depict a language that would be extremely alien and difficult 
for us to wrap our heads around. I mean, the, the fact that it was shown on screen as it was, it was not just a random graphic designer coming up with it. This was, you know, linguistics experts um, saying, well, you know, if you took this part of this language over here and that part of that language over there, they're really not compatible. So if you put those two together, that would be kind of something we've not ever seen before and really wouldn't know how to cope with well. So... Um, that it wasn't a graphic designer it was a it was a language designer that came up with that um alien language and which is why i think it feels so right cool. yeah i uh yeah no more of this <laughs> the the director i don't know if you were reading that the director had basically been waiting for i don't know how long a decade or two to to do uh, a movie like this and he he had actually heard this heard of this short story that this was based on early on in that process but he had looked at i don't know like a hundred other short stories and finally wound up coming back to this one and and um he really this he he was really pleased i mean he was this was worth the wait in his point of view so yeah it's um it's worth waiting my point of view too, except don't make me wait that long till another one like this comes. <laughs> so any tech in here that anybody wants? Wow. I want the gravity thing that goes sideways. Yeah. I, want, I want to control well, gravity. An interstellar spaceship, I'd always yeah. uh, go for that. <laughs> well, I, well, I just kind of like the idea of thinking and thoughts because sometimes I can't put things into words, but if I could just like, put a thought out there and then see if people can figure out what I'm talking about that that would be helpful sometimes yeah that idea of a thought you know those things that you can't quite articulate it's like a feeling or a, a beginning of a th- yeah that putting that out there that would be interesting ah good stuff like <laughs> I say bring more stuff like this because this is these are the things like you say Jeff you're gonna have to be thinking about this one for a while yeah but <laughs> Well, that's going to have to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Um, you can check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at SciFiTechTalk.com. And review on iTunes are always welcome. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? People can follow me on Twitter at BroncoSire. That's S-Y-E-R. And Mike, how about you? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. Or if you want to hear more of my ramblings, you can go check me out over on Geekiest Show Ever at geekiestshowever.com. And I can be found with a a cup of chai under a blanket with my phone um, on Twitter. Um, At Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. Uh, next episode, we're going to be covering the 2015 movie Infini. Uh, an elite search and rescue team transport onto, uh, onto an off-world mining facility to rescue Wit Carmichael, uh, the lone survivor of a biological outbreak. Uh, But that's going to be it for this show, and we'll see you in the future.